When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to your weekly dose of shock therapy. I'm your host, Tyler Lawrence. With me, as always, my co-host, Zach Alfers. I feel very blah. I don't feel like yeah. I have a whole lot of good things to say on today's pod. Good things, I guess. The good thing is is I had a great Thanksgiving. It was fun to see friends and family who I haven't seen in a long time. Um, had a great weekend building up. And then the Chargers had to have that disappointing performance against the Broncos. Um, I, I still have a sour taste in my mouth. I, I'm just super disappointed in, in what we just saw. Um, but this four and one team is no longer there. The four and one team that started the season, um, that energy has seemed to have faded away. I, I don't know where where those guys are because. Um, uh, the energy that this team is playing with the last couple of weeks has, has been so blah, like you said. There's just not a whole lot of good things to talk about with such a talented team, such a talented yeah. quarterback, such a talented running back, this talented duo we have at wide receiver. We've got some talented players on defense. Uh, we have some players that are talented but not playing up to their level. I mean, Kenneth Murray, I feel like he didn't even play a whole lot last game. I didn't see how many snaps he had, but he, was, he wasn't he was even noticeable. And that's your first-round pick. Derwin James had an incredible interception. Overall, this team is just letting you down. It feels so 2017 right now, and well, it sucks. I, but I think... I, I think what's funny is if we didn't start four and one, I, I think we would be okay being six and five at the you know the edge of the playoff picture. I think we would be okay. But the fact that we got a glimpse of the championship caliber that this team can a- achieve eventually, I, I think got us you know. And then w- on top of that, you had the Chiefs just uh, throwing losses up left and right. I, I think that got everybody's expectations way higher than they ever should have been and now you kind of see where this team is it it, it has a lot of holes and it's I think depth at this point we got the superstar talent we got you know we got Super Bowl champions on this roster we just don't have the depth Um, and I think that's I think we're seeing that really take a toll uh, these last couple of weeks two and four their last six games uh, blah I think is the theme of this podcast I'm going to keep doing it now that you You know that before we get into the Broncos, we talked a lot about Joe Lombardi last week, and I wanted to get your thoughts. There's a lot of talk going around that Tom Telesco isn't the GM. He's just not the guy, and I, yeah. to a degree, I understand it. His drafting has been very sporadic. I mean, he has nailed like 
absolutely nailed four first round draft picks. He's had 10 in total, but there's some that are still kind of out about, right? Kenneth Murray, super, super talented player, definitely worthy of a first round pick. You traded your second and third away to go and get him not playing up to expectations. He's had some misses, some wild misses. Jerry Tillery right off the bat. Uh, one that really you're, you're starting to see as like a really big bust. His first DJ Fluker, his only other first round offensive lineman he's ever drafted. Major bust. Melvin Gordon had some productive years. He also lost a lot of games for the Chargers. He also wasn't re-signed. When you're not re-signing your own first-round draft picks, Yeah, that's a recipe for disaster. And again, traded up to get him. Uh, he's had 10 total first-round picks, and he nailed four of them. He had two, I would say, pretty quality players in there. Uh, but then you even look at the depth of this roster and of previous rosters, and guys who just haven't really panned out specifically, I'm looking at the third and fourth rounds. I, For instance, Drew Tranquil seemed like a steal uh, for a few years there. He was just trading away fourth round picks. But then you look at guys like Max Turk, who was a center yeah. for, you know, drafted in the third round. Uh, I feel like if you're drafted in the third round, you eventually work your way into being a starter. Um, what are your thoughts on Tom Telesco? Is it time to move on? Is is there still yeah. something left in the tank there? Has he gotten better over the years? Or is it really just uh, not doing enough? So uh, I think, you know, uh, Tom Telesco's got us to this point. Um, and I think what you got is a very talented, light roster. Um, and I think he, he hits here and there. But I think what that's going to do is gonna, it's going to continue to be the Chargers teams that we've seen in the past, which is talented teams when with the first stringers, all 22 starters, very talented. But as soon as anybody goes down, there goes our season. I think it is time to go away from Tom Telesco because he can't build a complete team. He could assemble 22 great starters, but that's about it. He needs, we need depth at this point. Um, and I, I would like to see a move sooner rather than later because of the same, in the, you know, the, Talking in the same vein, I'd like to you know keep Joe Lombardi around because us uh, Justin Herbert has never had that consistency. So I, I want some consistency for Herbert and this organization. I, I do think it is time to move away from Tom Telesco because he just can't build a full team. He can get you some players here and there, but we need depth. You, you can't have eight draft picks every year and hit on two of them. Um, it, it's unacceptable. So let's take a look across just some some draft picks that he Tom Telesco has has uh, has drafted, and this is from the Charged Up Bolts, an article from April of this year. So first round picks that he nailed out of the park, you would say uh, Justin Herbert, uh, Derwin James, Joey Bosa, um, and then you got a few that you know didn't live up to expectation. Mike Williams has been a good player, but not worthy of a seventh overall pick, right? Um, Jason Verrett had a string of injuries. DJ Fluker just never really panned out. He's been a starter for many, many years, but he's been a very average starter. Uh, round two, uh, nobody really jumps off the, the charts here. I think Nasir Adderley is probably... Um, coming on a little bit late. I know he had some injuries early in his career, uh, but overall, 
Uchenna Nwosu. I mean, Nwosu hasn't ever been a full-time starter as a, a mid-second-round draft pick. Forrest Lamp had the, the slew of injuries. Uh, Denzel Perryman was basically replaced in his last season here. Um, I know he was a starter early on. Nett still hasn't lived up to that second-round potential. He's starting to do it now with the Raiders. Jeremiah Tauchu. Uh, Hunter Henry was a, a, a pretty big hit, but again, injury history was just gigantic. And then one of my favorite players coming out of college, Manti Teo, who isn't even in the league right now. A very, very interesting, um, bad slew of picks really in the second round. You, third round isn't much better. Trey Pickens, Dan Feeney, Max Turk, Craig Mager, Chris Watt. His only real hits, I would say, is Keenan Allen and Justin Jones just for his run defense. But Justin Jones hasn't offered any sort of of pass rush throughout his career. Uh, round four, he's actually hit on on a few different players. Drew Tranquil is the the most most common one, I would say, that people think of. But Kaiser White was a fourth round pick. Again, not a player that really stood out until this season. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins was a pretty capable starter uh, last year. Uh, and the year before at safety, he really wasn't. You have inside linebacker Joshua Perry. Not much there. And then Joshua Kelly looks like a buzz. He may not even – he's not even active for most games. Yeah. Round five, Joe Reed, Easton Stick, Scott Quisenberry, uh, Desmond King, Jatavius Brown, Kyle Emanuel, Ryan Carruthers, Steve Williams. The only person there that really – stands out to me is Desmond King. I know Jatavis Brown had a, a, a pretty good season, but he really dropped off in a quick way. Round six, Aloe Gilman, Emik Egbule, Dylan Cantrell, Sam Tevy, Derek Watt, Darius Phylon, Maureen Grice, and Tariq Williams. I mean, there, Aloe Gilman looks like a, a quality player for a six-round draft pick. If you really want to get into it, nobody likes Sam Tevy, but, but for what Sam Tevy was able to accomplish as a six-round round draft pick I mean six round draft pick you're really just fighting for a roster spot and and to be some sort of depth when called upon he ended up being a three-year starter when you really look at how much he played over the years and then in round seven KJ Hill Cortez Broughton Justin Jackson Isaac Rochelle Donovan Clark Tevin Reese and Brad Sorensen and again you're to look these are mainly throwaways but you've gotten some real production in limited games from Justin Jackson Isaac Rochelle, probably the best of that bunch there. He was a very, in my opinion, he was a very quality, rotational um, uh, defensive lineman for the Chargers who's playing pretty well with the Colts this year. I I still like Isaac Rochelle. I really wish we would have brought him back for another season. I I know he's got a couple undrafted gems, uh, Austin Eckler being the most common. Uh, um, I think he was the one that brought in uh, safety... uh, um, from the Patriots, uh, Adrian Phillips. Adrian, Adrian Phillips, Phillips yeah. was a, a, a really, really good undrafted player as well. Um, even when you look at the free agents he's brought in, though, I you know a lot of them have been veterans that just haven't really panned out. And everybody thinks of Coupon Tom, right? Uh, that's his nickname. But overall, the, this is the you know rounds four through seven are the depth of your team, and the Chargers have never had real depth and if you just listen to the name the slew of names i just spit out of my mouth right now uh i spit it out of my mouth because it doesn't taste good it's just not 
you know, not savory, nothing about that, you know. I don't know. Is it time to move on, or, or, or have we seen enough of Tom Telesco? I have, um, I, and I don't think he has the ability to make a Super Bowl roster. You got team, he's going to be able to get you a team that might squeak into the playoffs, but he can't get you, he's not going to be able to build a team that can win a playoff game, um, and I think that's where we're at. How many playoff games has, have, have we won in the 10 years that he's been here? How many times um, have we made the playoffs? Twice? I think only three times. I think three times, but the, I want to say it, the first year was a fluke because he came in to a talented team. So I, the I think first we won- year he made playoffs and then he made it. I think he made it once with each coach. Anthony Lynn. Um, uh, and McCoy. The name of Mike McCoy. Ugh. Anthony Lynn, Mike <laughs> McCoy. And I think he may squeak into the playoffs this year. So uh, I think that's only twice he's made playoffs. Well, and not enough. Yeah, not enough. With with the talent we've had the last decade, um, not enough. And we, we sh- yeah. I think I'm just afraid of other GMs that we could end up getting because it's it's kind of terrifying to me. You could end up with Mike Mayock, who... And I'm, you know, yeah. Mike Mayock is is probably a bad example because he's not a well known GM. It's not like he spent a whole lot of time, you know. He was a an analyst on NFL Network, so and a, a draft guru, really, and you know, friends with um, Chucky over there. Probably a bad example, but I'm looking at like teams like the Jets, who have just been terrible. Like Tom Telesco's never been terrible. He's just never been able to consistently build depth, especially on the offensive line. That's kind of been his biggest weakness throughout his career. He's always been able to to bring in quality skill position players. I mean, Danny Woodhead had a, a great season as one of those veteran guys. <clears throat> but on the offensive and defensive line, the depth just hasn't been there. Yeah, well, and I understand, you know, the hesitancy because we could definitely get a GM who's worse, right? He's not been the worst in the last 10 years. But he's not been nearly close to the best, and I, we need better because what we got right now it, it is not good. We're, we're two playoff appearances in ten years with Philip Rivers and Justin Herbert at the helm of of the, these offenses with Derwin James and Joey Bosa in their prime. It, unacceptable. I'm ready to move, and if we're going to do it, we need to do it sooner rather than later. While we still have Justin Herbert under rookie rookie contract. I get it, you know, and, and I guess the other part of it is I, I like the types of players he brings over to the Chargers. He's not taking chances on guys with off-field issues, and I think that is a key component to building a Super Bowl roster, staying away from from guys that really embarrass the organization. I mean, the Chargers, I can't think of a single player who's ever been just straight-up embarrassing. Um, you know, we're not bringing in Le'Veon Bell. We're not bringing in, yeah. you know, these types of players. But again, you need to build a Super Bowl roster if you want to win a Super Bowl, and you know maybe Tom Telesco isn't able able to do that. We we yeah. definitely don't have the depth on the offensive line this year. Granted, he got us three pretty capable starters, and Odea Bushi, which granted he had the the injury, but the 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 starting five looked promising, but now we're down. Two of those guys and Matt Filer, who's dealing with his injuries as well. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. 
I'm kind of crossed both ways. You could have a lot worse and you could be embarrassed, but never make the Super Bowl. And that's not good enough. So, yeah. Let's get into this Broncos game. The Chargers really just toward the end there got blown out by the Broncos. They lost 28-13. Offensively, the Chargers really struggled to move the ball, especially early on. I know Justin Herbert may have had 303 yards passing, but a lot of those seemed to come after a lot of one and outs, or three and outs, I should say. And the Chargers offense really, really struggled to move the ball consistently all game long. The game was pretty tight up until he threw that interception that, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'll let you take over because I, I don't really know what to say right now. I'm a little yeah. aggravated. That, that game was aggravating. And I think what sucks about it is, you know, we called a good game. Um, we had opportunities. We just didn't execute. And 300 yards from Justin Herbert – he was playing very well. The, the The Denver Broncos defense is very good. Herbert's only the third quarterback who's hit um, for 300 yards against that defense all season. So he was playing well. It was the two costly interceptions, and I have problems with both of them. The first one I thought was a bad ball. It was underthrown, a shot that I didn't think he needed to take when he, I thought he had some a, a check down option available to him. He just missed. The second one, I don't think was a bad ball per se, but we've seen it all year where Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler are not on the same page, where Austin Eckler will come across the middle of the field and Herbert will just belt him in the face and, you know, pick. In that particular case, I, it was just two players trying to make a play, but being off on the same page, you know, not being on the same page. If they were on the same page, if both of them decide, if Herbert thought Eckler was going to throttle down and get a little dump off. Eckler was just trying to go up upfield and get a little more. Either way, if, if they completed that pass, we would have first down and probably would have scored. That game's very different. The execution right now with this team has been awful, and it has been for the last six weeks. We're calling good plays. This, uh, this you know, we're calling good plays. We're just not executing four drops in that game again. Um, just unex- all in the first half, <laughs> inexcusable, and that's but that's what you're talking about. We we couldn't move the ball, and it wasn't Herbert making bad passes. He's putting the ball in people's chests. They're not catching the ball. You know, the pass catchers need to catch the ball. Uh, it, it's frustrating because there's no play call for that. You need to execute, and we're not so executing was, our bread and butter. I was looking at some of the interceptions Justin Herbert's thrown, some of the drops, and I'm. I'm I understand the ball hits you in the hands. You got to catch the ball, but I'm starting to wonder how many of these drops actually do fall on Herbert and how much, because he doesn't need to throw a rocket in it every single time. It seems like he does. He's just got this massive arm. And I feel like the drops are the chargers issues. They, they are 100% is on the wide receivers, but how much of it is that he's just not throwing the ball with touch. Like you got to throw a catchable ball every time. You know, you got to throw it into the window. If it's in a, in a tight window, you got to get it in there. But even if you look at that Austin Eckler, it was thrown a little bit behind him, you know, bounced off of him. It's totally a catchable ball. But if you take some umph out of that pass, maybe that's a completion. That's not a, a ball that had – he was out there by himself, and it ended up getting popped up to Patrick Sertain, who had two interceptions. Yeah. Two 
interceptions in the same game. I'm starting to wonder whether or not Justin Herbert needs to just relax a little bit and throw a catchable ball to a guy out in the open, kind of out by himself, and and let his his guys just catch the ball. Because, uh, granted, it's all on the wide receivers, but Justin Herbert can totally help his guys out by throwing something a little more catchable. Not everything needs to be a rocket. It seems like with him, it is. Yeah, I, and I totally understand that. And I think, you know, as a young quarterback, he's not even through his second season. I think that's something he'll get to eventually as he matures. But he's a young quarterback. He's going to make mistakes. And I think because of that, his biggest problem right now is he's just not getting enough chances. We're not getting enough drives. We had nine that game, uh, only four in the second half. He's not getting enough chances. And I think that goes back to if, – and if we give him – more chances the these mistakes that he is making they're going to be less amplified because he has more opportunities to score the big uh, the big problem right now is our third down defense we can't get teams off of the field i was talking about it last week how awful the broncos were on third down one of the fifth worst team at converting they converted eight of 11 third down attempts against us over 70 percent we just couldn't get them off the field that's why on all of our losses we've been horrible um, on third down defense and teams it keeps Herbert on the bench which keeps him cold and it keeps him from getting into a rhythm if we can give him more opportunities those two picks are not going to be as as problematic because he's going to be able to make up for that with the killer throws that we we fell in love with Herbert in the first place he's not getting enough chances in my opinion and that falls back on the defense and you know the Chargers did play pretty well defensively overall I think that while, granted, they still allowed 140-something yards on the ground, Javante Williams was held to less than four yards a carry. Melvin Gordon had a a big day, but he had a couple big totes. Most of his, you know, if if it wasn't a seven, eight-yard gain, it was a a one- or two-yard gain. So it was a little bit of a mixed bag. But 155 yards through the air, I'll take that in any game, all day, every day. They, they struggled to contain Bridgewater. I feel like they, they really had an opportunity to get home. I mean, they lost their two starting offensive tackles to yeah. injury and COVID, and then they lost a third to what probably was a pretty bad break. Or I, I don't know. That guy was in a lot of pain, that Broncos offensive tackle yeah. that got hurt. And that was a real moment for you to go and take over the game. I mean – Teddy Bridgewater dropped back 25 times and he was sacked once. Just once. And you had plenty of opportunities to get home with a really banged up offensive line. And I'm really terrified to know what would have happened had had the Broncos starting offensive line been healthy because 143 yards rushing on the ground. And granted, again, I, I don't think that they ran the ball all that well. But mm-hmm. if you take into consideration who was blocking up front, that game could have been 180, 200 yards rushing had the offensive line been healthy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's frustrating. I, I, yeah, I'm so frustrated I forgot my point. Um, and Drew Locke came in and they were down oh. a quarterback for a whole half too. So you've got to take that into account as well. That that yeah, this was just one of those games where we just couldn't catch a break. And there's a, a play in particular 
first quarter, we're down 14 nothing. Teddy Bridgewater went down. Drew Locke's first uh, drive. We force a three and out, or we force a, a third down conversion. Joey Bosa gets home, forces a fumble, and the fumble rolls six yards forward into Tim Patrick's lap for a first down. Like yeah. That, what are you going to do there? And I think you saw the energy kind of just dissipated um, because even when they made their best play, that was one of our best defensive plays all day. It resulted in a first down for the other team, which killed us. Um, it's a, Yeah. And then offensively, getting open receivers, hitting them in the, the hands just to drop the ball. Um, it was just an off day for the Chargers. And, and it's all of that, I think, goes back to the Broncos played an excellent game. Um, they, be, they beat they us did. down. They beat Up us down. They did, yeah. Well, and energy-wise, I thought from the opening snap, um, it was kind of their game. And, yeah, it's easy to do that when you have a crazy fan base like they do and you have that atmosphere. But I, I think they harnessed the energy, and I think they, they – they kind of just outplayed it, psyched us out, I think, from the opening snap. And you kind of saw us, we, we just never kind of re- rebuttaled. And I think forcing that fumble just to give up a first down, um, it's just, it, yeah, we made good plays. We just, yeah, fell up short. We fell short. It, it, this is such a frustrating game because it's like, what do you what do you point at? What, it was such you know, a winnable game, and it's such an important game at that. And it's you, so important. I mean, the... The Chargers had a real opportunity to take a hold of the AFC West and really control their own destiny, and and they don't have very many opportunities to do that anymore. And if you look, I mean, 155 yards passing through the air, 42 of those yards came on a single play. So they they really did their own against the passing game. I know they allowed Teddy to get into rhythm at times, but, I mean, they were all dinks and dunks. No, no other pass over... 19 yards uh the rest of the game you you caused two fumbles one fumble um you, you had the one interception which was just one of the most amazing plays of the year to be able to come down with that but i mean joey bosa was pretty non-existent for most of the game you're just not you're not getting the pressure you need to get on this team and we're gonna see them again uh week 16 and it's yeah. going to be a big game because this whole division is extremely tight. We did not play our best game, and that's a team that you sh- you have to win against. You, we are now below them in the AFC West, which is just it makes no sense at all in any way, shape, or form. Special teams is living up to their their what they need to be living up to, and it makes me worried because next week. We're going to be playing a much better team who is extremely hot. The 7-4 Cincinnati Bengals. This team is is not the Broncos. This is a much, much better team than they have been in years past. They have a hot quarterback. They have a hot wide receiver. They got a defense that's coming together really well. I like Zach Taylor as their head coach. Mm-hmm. What are your keys for this game offensively, and how do you think that this game is going to go? Well, I think the the one positive that I will take away from the Broncos game is with how awful we were playing, we weren't out of that game until too late 
fourth quarter interceptions from our superstar quarterback. We had chances. That's insane with how awful we were playing. Now, we play anywhere near the level we did last Sunday, we're going to get one out against the Bengals. The Bengals are legit. Um, but I think if both teams play up to potential, we're going to see a firefight. Uh, I, I think to me, though, the, the scariest part of the Bengals team is their, this offense. Like This offense is really fun to watch. They do everything very well. Right. I like how they mix it up between the run and the pass. And they just have playmakers at every single level. What I, I think is fun about the Bengals is they can win games multiple different ways. Right. They've won games with Joe Burrow. You've seen Jamar Chase have monster games and they've won games on, on the backs of Joe Mixon running the football. They have multiple guys who can carry the offense. So um, and I think one thing that they've done that we have not been able to do this year is win games when their quarterback is not having a great day. And the last couple of weeks, you know, uh, Joe Burrow has two touchdowns held under 200 yards in each of those games. And both games, they blew out the Raiders and then the Steelers last week. Those are two teams who played us right to the wire, but we needed all-star superstar performances from Justin Herbert. You know, if Herbert's off, the Chargers offense is off and it's resulted in losses. When Burrow's off, it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing for Cincinnati. And so I I was thinking, you know, just looking at at their schedule this year, the consistent part of all of Cincinnati wins has been Joe Mixon. When Mixon is mixing it up, Cincinnati's playing well, and that offense is scary. And then I was looking, I thought it was very interesting also, that in all of their losses, Joe Mixon has been held to under 70 rushing yards. So to me... That's going to be the key right there is we can try to bottle up Mixon. We, we've been talking about it. We've been catching teams on good weeks. This is a bad week to play the Bengals because Joe Mixon is absolutely on fire. Back-to-back games with over 120 rushing yards. And last week ran for 165 yards against the Steelers. Also had two scores in that game. He scored a touchdown in each of the last five games. Joe Mixon is a problem, um, which doesn't bode well for us because we've had problems stopping the run all year. You know, this is a key game. Joe Mixon is third in the NFL in rushing attempts. They like to go to him early. Second in yards. Often. Second in yards. It's crazy to think that Derrick Henry is still at the top of of that list of number of attempts, and he hasn't played in a couple weeks. But he he is – you know, second, third in yards. He's third in yards. He's third in attempts. He's averaging 4.4 yards a carry. He is the engine that drives everything else that the Bengals want to do. But Joe Absolutely. Burrow and, and Jamar Chase are having big days. They are going to take shots deep. They do every single week. Jamar Chase is on track to, to beat the rookie record that his former teammate, Justin Jefferson, has I mean he's nearing in on a thousand yards with like five games left to go, which is just yeah. insane as a rookie. Uh, he's got fifty receptions, nine hundred six yards. He's averaging eighteen point one yards with that many receptions insane. and targets. They'll feed him some jet sweeps. They like to get him involved. Him and and Burrow really had that that chemistry going all the way back to LSU. I mean he's got fourteen like big plays, like big monster plays. Uh, I don't know if you guys play the NFL fantasy numbers game that they, they put out every single week. 
but he's up there every single week. It seems like every week he's got like a 60-yard touchdown and 80-yard touchdown. I mean, he is super dangerous deep. He's a really good cool. route runner, true wide receiver one. He is he's going to become one of the top wide receivers in the NFL very quickly if he's not already there because you really have to, to account for where he's at at all times. When the ball's not going to Chase, it's going to T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd. Those are their three most targeted receivers. All of them have over 60 targets for the season. But Jamar Chase is wildly and way, way much of a better receiver than anything else they have on the roster. I mean, T. Higgins only has six receptions less and almost 400 yards less. So, like, where the ball is going deep, it's going Jamar Chase, and it's going to go often. And Joe Burrow is not afraid to, to air it out. But, like you said... The engine of this team is Joe Mixon. I'm I'm finally glad that he's getting that kind of recognition. He's getting the carries. He's healthy because he is a monster. Absolute Beast. monster. Somebody you have to account for. Their offensive line is much, much better than it has been in previous years. It's this could really turn out to to like in my opinion, it could end up becoming like a blowout loss if the Chargers aren't 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 on top of their game at putting points on the board because I think this is going to be a super high-scoring game. This is a high-powered offense on both sides. The Chargers have fits where they're going three and out, and they're just it might take them a little while to get into a groove. And if if the Bengals get out to an early lead, they're going to keep going. They're going to put points on the board. It's a dangerous no, game yeah. to play on offense. This is a very, very scary game. Um yeah, for that exact reason, that the matchup I'm looking at, uh, and I think it's going to be big in this game, is Cincinnati's versatile playmakers, which you mentioned, versus our secondary, specifically in the open field and trying to tackle those guys when they get the ball in their hands. As a team, we have been tackling very, very poorly. And one of our best perimeter tackles, honestly, in, in Asante Samuel Jr. this season is probably going to be out is probably out for you know the foreseeable future in this in this you know at, at this point i totally Jamar, forgot to talk about the injury report just in general so well let me just figure let me just wrap up my uh little thought here and then we can get to the injury report but jamar chase absolutely a beast in yards after the catch 13th in the league in that category he scares the living daylight out of me think just having him on the on the exterior just one spin move away from being able to take every ball to the house on top of that Joe Mixon tied for the lead league in 19 broken tackles he doesn't go down easy none of their playmakers do we haven't been tackling well as a unit um that's going to i yeah they have all the capability of exposing us defensively hitting us for a big game um, so yeah, we're going to be, we, we're going to need a big game from our secondary, especially when we get these playmakers in open fields and one-on-ones, we need to win those and take these playmakers to the ground. Um, cause if they break a tackle, they're going to be gone more likely than not. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. 
Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Going over the injury report, Aloy Gilman and Asante Samuel did not practice. I don't expect to see Asante Samuel for a couple weeks. You you don't go two back-to-back concussions in back-to-back weeks that he's played. And uh, you got to put the player's health at the forefront. Uh, Tevin Campbell was a full participant. Matt Filer limited with his ankle injury. I have a feeling he's going to be good to go this week. Trey Marshall and Kenneth Murray, uh, both limited with ankle injuries. Cincinnati, uh, not really much. Everybody did not practice, which tells me that they just held everybody out, which doesn't give you any sort of resemblance of who's healthy or who's not. Uh, The ones that I do want to talk about is going to be Riley Reef, who is their starting offensive tackle. And then... That's really about it. Everybody else looks like they're, they're backups. If I go over their depth chart, I can see a little bit more about uh, who's on IR, who's – who's. Trey Hopkins, to be honest – I thought their center is also questionable. Uh, Trey Hopkins, who I didn't even know who he was, he is questionable. I don't really know who he is. Um, Auden Tate, who's their like, wide receiver four or five, He's questionable. Mike Thomas is questionable, who's also wide receiver four or five. Um, one of their bigger misses is on IR, Akeem Davis-Gaither. Uh, the rest of their team looks pretty healthy. Trey Waynes is on IR. That's a, that's a big miss. Uh, Wyatt Herbert, Darius Phillips. Overall, this team is extremely healthy, which is probably why they're playing so well. Yeah, they're playing very um, good. They are playing very well. There are offensive line, Jonah Williams, Quentin Spain, Hakeem Adinji, Riley Reef. Um, overall, it's it's not a great offensive line, but it is upgraded from what it was last season. Probably why Joe Burrow's knees playing is is so strong <laughs> right now. <laughs> Defensively, they also have some dogs though. Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson are a dangerous duo off the edges. Uh, DJ Reader was their star. Um, signing last season. I think he opted out due to COVID. Uh, then you got Larry at, at Agunjanobi. I hope I said that right. And then BJ Hills, his backup as well. You have Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, who are pretty decent linebackers for them. Uh, Logan Wilson was their third or second round draft pick last season. Uh, played pretty well last season in a really on a really terrible team. And then Jermaine Pratt was also a third round pick like three seasons ago. He uh, it, it's a pretty strong linebacking duo because I think that they're an athletic bunch. Eli Apple, uh, Chadobia Woozy, not really too worried about either one of them. And then Vernon Hargraves is also playing there, Mike Hilton. So they do have some veterans that are backups and then you have Von Bell and their best player on defense in my opinion is Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates is all over the place. He's playing phenomenal. Um but they're if you can 
limit the pass rush, which the Chargers are going to struggle with because Trey Hendrickson is a yeah. monster. Little, little known. Yeah, I don't think very many people know too much about Trey Hendrickson, but he had like 15 sacks last season for the Saints, and he was a rotational player. Uh, they they can get home off the edges. Their offensive line or defensive line is much better than it was in previous seasons. It's it's a scary defensive line, and, and the Chargers' offensive line is not playing very well, especially on that right side. Um, Justin Herbert's going to have some pressure for sure. Yeah, well – yeah, let's just talk about it. Um, O-line did not block very well at all against Denver, and they're going to need to wake up very fast because, like you said, nobody knows about Trey Hendrickson. They need to. You said 15 sacks last season. He already has 11 this season uh, on pace to surpass that mark from last season. He has the fourth most sacks in, in the league right now. He's an absolute nightmare, and what I think is is interesting about Hendrickson is – all, all of his sacks are very timely, and they, they happen around you know the right times. Last week, he had two sacks against Pittsburgh, forced a fumble on one of them, and then on one of, one of his pressures, just bull rushed his tackle right into Big Ben's lap. Big Ben threw an, a pick six, so he can impact the game even when he doesn't get home, which is scary. A good the good thing is we have Rayshon Slater who has absolutely destroyed premier pass rushers when he's faced them, um, and he arguably had one of his worst games. Uh, the whole entire line I think had their worst game of the season last year. Um, it, that happens when you're missing a guy like Matt Filer. I think you see Matt Filer's uh, you know how important he is when he's not there. Um, but yeah, we're gonna need a bounce back game from. Our, our offensive line because Hendrickson is the the beast up there, but they have a lot of guys that can get after the quarterback. So I am really, really worried about this defensive line, offensive line matchup. I mean, if Senio yeah. Calamity is a go. He needs to go. I mean, oh, I, he was I saw terrible. one game. So awful. Awful. So one bad. game, and he should have got caught and cut in the middle of the game. Like 10 pressures, two sacks. Two stupid penalties. Um, yeah, I've seen all I need to see from that guy. He was atrocious. One of the worst players I've seen on this offensive line in years, and it has not been a great offensive line That's saying for the something. Chargers. Yeah, that no, is saying a lot. Well, like honestly, like honestly, um, I wouldn't mind seeing Tevi at guard over Calamity. He was just so atrociously bad. Um, I yeah. Yeah. It, he was he was so bad. I would pick any. I would put myself out there over calamity. Like it's just it's not good. I'm barely 165, maybe 170 pounds, and I think I could do do more damage than this guy does. Because wow, he I think he single handedly could have handed us a loss. Yeah, oh, I, he was bad. And not only was yeah, it's one of like the worst performances I've ever seen from a football player. Uh, making their debut. Like, honestly, one of the worst games I've ever seen. He had a, a pass blacking grade of 22.6. True pass set. Oh, my gosh. Might he, as well have was, not shown up. Might as well. We could have played with 10 players and had more production than <laughs> him being. He was so, so bad. So outrageously bad. Uh, overall, 
Storm Norton hasn't been playing very well. I haven't heard anything back about Brian Bulaga. He Michael was at Schofield, practice today. He, he was. was at, he was. I what he was doing, I couldn't figure out. But stretching, I, just stretching. I, it, it looked like he was doing his own <laughs> thing. Um, I only saw pictures. Yeah, uh, he was probably just stretching. I don't expect to see him back for, for a couple more weeks. But when he does, that could be a massive, massive upgrade because the combination of Storm Norton and Michael Schofield next to each other just isn't oh, working. No. I know Michael Schofield has only been active for three games, four games. He's got 15 pressures. To give you an idea, Storm Norton has 40 pressures, but he has played every game but a half for week one. So... I uh, Michael Schofield has not been playing well at all. I know he's the vet. I know we're very familiar with him. How much of that is the miscommunication between him and Storm Norton? I don't know. I'm hoping to get Brian Belaga back soon because we are really going to struggle uh, this week against this defensive line for the Bengals. Uh, what are you? What's your key matchup on defense that you're looking forward to? Um, the my my key matchup on defense is trying to limit their playmakers. Uh, we need our secondary to tackle. When you get their playmakers in space, that's what they want to do. They want to get their playmakers the ball in space. And so far, we haven't been able to tackle people on the perimeter. We need that to change, especially with AS uh, Sante Samuel Jr. sidelined. Um, Tavon Campbell, I don't know how many broken tackles I've seen from him the last three, four weeks. I really liked him, his preseason. Um, he's been an awful open field tackler. Um, and we're going to need everybody across the board to step up in that category. It, it can't just be Kaiser White and Derwin James every single game. Those guys get 10 tackles every single game. It, it can't be that the, somebody else needs to make a play um, because when Kaiser White and DJ are making the play, they are second-level uh, players, right? It, it, we need our defensive line to step up and and our corners to work outside in, suffocate these playmakers because I, I'm just so scared. I, I just can see um, what, what I'm scared of the most is watching Jamar Chase just feast off of just uh, screens on the outside, making one guy miss, and then it's 80 yards to the house, um, escort all the way. That That's kind of what I'm worried about. So I, I want to see us tackle in the open field. We haven't been doing it very well, and their playmakers are very good at making people miss in the open field. And what are you looking for on the opposite side of the ball? We need to unlock Mike Williams. You know, when he's going, I think we're going, and he's really been the catalyst of our offense. You know, I, Keenan Allen – Austin Eckler, I think they're going to eat anyway. We need to get Williams going because when he's has big games, everybody else has big games as well. What I think is the most frustrating part about that is we've been trying to give Mike Williams the ball. We just haven't had success. Against Denver, he had eight targets, only four catches for 39 yards. The biggest part about that is – the plays we run to Williams, they usually take a little longer to develop. He doesn't run the quick hitting and the timing routes that we are really reserving specifically for Keenan right now. Williams runs deeper crosses, hooks, concepts that take a little longer to develop. And right now he just doesn't have time to deliver catch, 
catchable balls because our offensive line is just getting blown up. He's being pressured into throwing bad passes. You know, against Denver, he should have had three interceptions. He forced one into tight coverage against Williams um, that bounced, I think, off of Sertain's helmet. He would have had three in that game. Luckily, he did not. But I think a lot of this disconnect we've seen from Herbert and Williams the last couple of weeks has been because Herbert hasn't had time to throw him the ball. Every time he drops back, it seems, Herbert has three or four hands in his face. Denver had three sacks hit Herbert 10 times. Can we please protect my franchise quarterback? That is my team right now. Um, we are not protecting him well. And so to me, that 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 is that is it. Unlock Mike Williams, and the way you do that is you protect Herbert up front to give him time to let Mike Williams get open downfield because he just doesn't have the speed to get open on the quick hitters and three-step dropbacks. He needs time to get open, um, and, and right now we're not giving Herbert enough time to see him. My key matchup, I think Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard are are a menace. Uh, they have yeah. 18 sacks combined, and, and because they are getting home, they are forcing quarterbacks to throw the ball quick, and they're trying to throw the ball over middle. Sam Hubbard, Sam Hubbard, sorry. Logan Wilson has four interceptions this season as a middle linebacker. Four. That's insane. Middle linebackers, they don't get those many interceptions, especially That's this early in the season. That's, that's a, a hell of a career. That's a hell like, of a <laughs> How many interceptions does Erlacher have? You know, like I wouldn't be surprised to know it was four over his illustrious Hall of Fame career. I, I say you get one or two a year, you're doing things pretty, pretty well. But when you have four and it's only week twelve, that's insane production. Insane. Like it's just and they are teams are throwing quick over the middle. And Logan Wilson's been playing really well in coverage. He's also got four pass deflections. You're, you're, I feel like the Chargers really like to throw underneath, and this is not the week to do that. This is a week to go and air it out. My matchup is really limiting the pressure from Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, and not forcing the ball underneath because you're they're, they're going to be covered. It's going to be covered well, and you you're probably – this is a week you're probably going to want to take some shots deep, try to go opposite direction wherever that free safety is because Jesse Bates is a, an animal. He's a beast. He's one of the best players at his position in the NFL. So if he's deep third, you're putting it out on the edges. If he's, you know, half, go to the opposite half of wherever he's at. On the uh, defensive side of the ball, I think the matchup I'm looking at is where's Jamar Chase? Yeah. Where is he? Key in on him and don't let him get too deep. I think that the Chargers' run defense is a lost cause. I'm not even focused on it anymore because it's not going anywhere. They have played a little bit better over the, the last couple of weeks, but it's a bad run defense overall. Like It's, it's not going to get much better. We just don't have the talent on the defensive line to really step that part of the game up. So I'm focused on other things. And right now, Jamar Chase is the hottest thing on this planet right now. He is playing uh, out of his mind. And what's so scary about that, like I was saying, Joe Mixon's on a tear. He only had – Jamar Chase only has one touchdown in the last three weeks. That scares me. He's got me. eight in all, though. That means That's what I'm he's saying. Got... Like, he's due. He's due. Um, and just look and he's at, gonna okay. get one. He's gonna but get look one. At, 
But listen to these the last four weeks. This is his stat line against the Jets. Three receptions on nine targets for 32 yards. He did score that game. Cleveland, six receptions on 13 targets for 49 yards, no touchdowns. Next game against Vegas, three receptions, 32 yards, one touchdown. Pittsburgh last week, three receptions, 39 yards. He hasn't had a 100-yard receiving game since Baltimore when he hit them for eight catches, 200 yards. He's due. That's scary because we've known what we saw. We, we've seen the highlights. The dude is scary, and he's I, – I, To think have, that his – Teams are line... game planning for him the last four weeks. Uh, I just don't know if we have the personnel really to keep up with a guy like him, to be honest. I'm scared think... of Jamar Chase. He's keeping me up the last three days. To think Jamar Chase has 900 yards receiving in his last four games is that stat line just really he, he, goes to show just how much of a monster he was early in the season. One, uh, yeah. He had seven touchdowns in like seven games. Like that's, that's ridiculous. Well, that's insane. I, I, it, what is insane is his early production, but I think this is kind of what you see from – superstar receivers they come out the gate hot no one's game planning for them the last four weeks you saw four legit defenses game plan for jamar chase now what he's done is he's put the pressure on defensive coordinators to say hey we need to account for this guy when you don't he hits you for 200 yards so that he is definitely i think the only thing that brandon staley um and Ronaldo hill should be thinking about right now because he's due for a big game, and that's really scary because he hasn't had many. It's It's been these last four weeks, and those seems like they're going to be outliers. And um, because of that, I feel like this is the game he's going to go off. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I I really do. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game, and I don't think we're going to come out of it alive. You know, we need to score 30 to win this game for sure. Oh, uh, I think it's. I think the score is going to be – and I'll take some slack for this, but I don't, I don't care. It's going to be like 38-24 Bengals. I think it's 38-31, but... I don't I, think I, we're... I think we've, over the last couple of weeks, we've been playing bad teams, bad and losing to bad teams. Yeah. And this is a much better team, and this is not a one-score game. No. I, I don't think that this game is going to be that close. We Surprise me. We I, I want to be surprised. I, 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 I want to come surprised. out of this with a win because I think... I think this is the most important game on the schedule because it's going to give... Whoever wins this game, a tiebreaker. If playoffs, if if a wild card situation arises, if the Bengals do not make, do not win their division, they have a really good opportunity to do. I still think it's going to be the Ravens. This is going to come out to a tiebreaker, and if we lose this game, it's going to really hurt our chances at getting in. If we can't win our division, I think we can still win our division. I still think we have a talented enough team. I still think we have enough time to get it figured out. But this is such. This is the most important game on our schedule this season at this point in time, because if we don't win the division, this is the team that this is the game that they're going to look back to and be like, "This is why they're out. This is why they didn't make the wild card." It's going to be this game. This is huge, monumental, and I don't think we're going to win this game. And I think it's a must win. This definitely is. It's an AFC I think, team. I think this is our season right here. Um. You don't win this game, we don't make the playoffs. I think it's it's easy, as easy as that. We don't. We'll finish with the same record as the five teams vying for that last spot, and off head-to-head record, we are going to give it away. 
Um, we need to win this one if we want to make the playoffs. Uh, if we don't, then the only way to get into the playoffs is to win out, um, to win the division. And for that to happen, we need some guys on the top of the division to lose. I hate wanting, I hate playing for other teams to lose. So to me, this is our season. Um, and and, and football players, it, yeah. football players don't play for other teams to lose. So they know it. This is, it, yeah, to me, this is our season. We lose this game. Um, playoffs are, are out the window. Um, so what I will say is I think we played our best games against best, the best competition. Well, I, I don't want to say that because we've also laid some duds against the Ravens and against the, the Patriots. Um, Patriots. I guess let's let's talk about this. Regardless, win or lose, how important is this matchup for Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert's legacy when we look back on things, you know, 50 years from now? You got to compare this game, this this game right here, to the trio of Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, and Philip Rivers, because you have three very similar par- players to a Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, and you've got the Cincinnati Bengals quarterback, uh, Joe Burrow. Those three players are always going to be intertwined, and this is really the first matchup that you get to see Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert really square off. It's so monumental for so many reasons because this is this is going to be one of those games that really outlines the rest of their careers. This really legitimately both being AFC opponents, they could see each other in the playoffs many times over many, many years, and it really starts this game. We were robbed from this game last year when Tyrod Taylor started in, in their place. I really think that this matchup is something that you're going to to create a rivalry over because of how they were drafted and the fact that they come from the same draft class. It's a, it's a huge game for both players and it's the game that really should have got flexed to these, the Sunday night football game. And it's, it's a shame, shame on the NFL for not doing so because everybody's going to be watching this game. I think there's going to be a lot of viewers and it's way better than some chiefs, Broncos matchup that really doesn't matter in the long run because Broncos aren't even going to make the playoffs. This is that game and everybody's crying because they wanted to see the Joe Burrow Justin Herbert matchup on Sunday night football in prime time. It's it's a, a monumental game for both because I think that playoffs are going to be on the line. Whoever wins this game does not win this game. Somebody's going in, somebody's coming out and I, I think that this is that game for sure without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, this one's tough because I, I, I feel like as it, it, it's hard to judge because I'm a kind of person who doesn't think, you know, one game makes or breaks a team or a season, you know. Um, but so, at some point it comes down to that, right? It comes but, down to one game. But it's the first game. And because of what it means, you know, both teams, do the, the do they have the same record as we do? Or they are seven. No, they are. They have one more win. Seven and four. We are six and five. Okay. Well, because of what it means and where we're at in the season, this game means a lot because both teams need this win. Um, both, so teams both teams are sitting in the AFC West, or AFC West, AFC North. And yeah, so I think at at, at when they're both of these guys' careers are said and done, 
we're going to see these guys be able to go at it tons of times and there's going to be tons of good games and there's going to be wins and losses on both sides. So it's, it's, it's hard to say one game's going to make a difference, but this is the first one. And it's the first one that means something. So yeah, I think it's big. I think it's really big. Um, especially because whoever wins this game, the next time these guys go at it, well, they got that mental cookie in the back of their mind. Like I got this guy last time. So I, I think it's huge. Um, I think, and these guys are, are, are competitors. What what I'm, I want Herbert to be a little angry because I think he plays his best football when we're kind of counting him out. Um, so I, I want him to kind of just, you know, show him who the number one pick should have been um, kind of thing. And I'd like to see these guys just go at it. I want a, a um, an all-star or all-pro performance from both of these guys. I want both guys a game um because that's just going to make for entertaining football and at the end of the day i'm a football fan i think that just makes for entertaining an entertaining product both of these guys uh bring it tomorrow i don't want either one to be kind of off i want both to have outstanding performances this is one of those those out of division rivalries that that really could be starting here right if you look back the peyton manning tom brady colts and patriots Different, totally different divisions, but every single time it seemed like they were perennial, perennial teams that meet each other in the playoffs year after year after year. And I know Philip Rivers early in his career was meeting those players in, in the playoffs as well. Wasn't winning. They didn't go back and forth. It, it, Philip Rivers never got the fair shake out of that, but you know, this really could be the Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow to the Tom Brady. Uh, Peyton Manning rivalry that really was t- together for what 10 years that they played big t- each other in in the playoffs it seemed like every year that the route was through Foxborough because Foxborough always always hosted the home games and Peyton Manning yeah. would be in their all white Colts uniform playing the the blue Patriots uniforms and it, it just seemed like a, a matchup you look forward to year after year after year because you just knew it was going to happen and this could be the start of that matchup it really could be they're two of the youngest players drafted in the same class very 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 talented players on both sides of the ball they both have weapons they honestly their offenses are built somewhat similarly they both have star running backs they both have a star wide receiver two really good wide receivers their offensive lines are coming together but still not elite uh they got some players on defense. These teams are built pretty well against each other. I guess we'll see how this game goes. I still think that with the Chargers' lack of recent success, that they're not going to win this game, and it's not going to be close, and it's not going to be for lack of talent. It's going to be how is this Chargers season going this year compared to the Bengals, and Bengals are white hot right now. Well, and that's the thing. Um the Bengals can win this game by making a mistake or two. I don't think it's the same for the Chargers. They need to play their best game of the season or it's not going to be close. Um, and I think it just goes back to they're just a little more well-rounded than we are. I was telling you, we need all our wins this season have came on the backs of superstar performances of Justin Herbert. They got three different guys that can win them football games um, at three different very important positions. Uh, and they're just a lot harder 
for 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 the Chargers, I think the 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 recipe to beat us is very simple. Keep Justin Herbert off of the football field. He's gonna make mis- he's gonna make a mistake or two. Don't let him rebound by keeping him off the field. They have they have, and, and then to beat the Cincinnati Bengals, they have shown it is not easy. It's not one dimensional. It's not stop this guy and you win. Um, they have a lot more pieces. They have a lot more. Yeah, they're they're just a. a, a I feel I like they know their identity. I feel like they know their identity, right? They know their that identity. Too. They know they can go to different places. And the Chargers, they don't have the. They have players to be that dominant run team, but their Chargers are not that, and they can't beat you that way. They can't run the ball thirty times with Boston Eckler. They just don't have the personnel to do so. They have the wide receivers. Jalen Guyton needs to fall off this roster somehow, some way, and let Joshua yeah. Palmer take all those snaps because I, I, I just don't think that the Chargers have that identity. I still think that they're figuring out their scheme. It's not going to ha- happen this year. They um, are. You know, they're, they're still figuring things out, and they just they're not there yet. I don't think that this is a playoff team with how they've played bad teams. They're not a Super Bowl team this year. I think that they have the talent on this roster to be a Super Bowl team, but not if they're unable to unlock Jerry Tillery because Jerry Tillery is locked up nice and tight, and uh, he's just not the answer. You have a you have a first-round pick, a third-round pick. You have Linval Joseph, who has been a phenomenal, phenomenal run defender, and you got Joey Bosa all on the defensive line, and you have the t- talent there, but it's not unlocked. Jerry Tillery is not playing up to that potential. The reason he was drafted as a first-round draft pick. Justin Jones is a pretty decent run defender, but again, offers no pass rush. You have you have the talent. You drafted those guys to be the defensive line talent, and it just hasn't panned out. You don't have the depth behind those guys. Joe Gaziano may have played pretty well. Braden Fajoko may have played pretty well, but overall, it's not it. You need to get better on the defense defensive line and until you are able to do so you're not a contender no plain and simple well, and every team has this, a recipe even winning this team even if we dominantly blow out cincinnati that doesn't make us a contender because we've seen it when when this team is good they're as good as any team in the league but when they're off and when they're not performing they are one of they are the miami dolphins they are the you know Houston Texans of the league. They are very, very bad when they're off. So to me, that evens out about middle of the pack. And well, right now, middle of to. the pack is not going to get into the playoffs in the AFC because well, everyone in the AFC right now is, is good. Well, what it comes down to is good teams don't stall. Yeah, and that too. And the Chargers stall. They keep stalling. They find ways to stall. They stall early in games. They stall late in games. The good teams, they don't really stall that often. If they do, they lose that game and they fix it next week. The, the the Buccaneers may drop two or three games because they stall, but the Chargers stall every single game at some point in time. The Chargers don't have a dominant win because no. they're not a dominant team. They have dominant players. Yeah. They have they have the personnel to they have some of the personnel to to really trick you into thinking that they're contenders. But it's just not there. It's not there yet, and maybe next year it will be. Maybe they surprise us in playoffs because if you make playoffs, anything can happen. 
It's Anything one of those things you heat up at the right time. Yeah, you can make waves. And I think we have one of those teams. If we get hot, then sure, we might be able to win a game. Um, but yeah, consistently. Uh, well, and I think our consistency goes back to what you were saying, where we have not found our identity yet. We don't really know where we want to be this year. You know, we've had games where we have ran the ball 20 plus times. We've had games where we ran it five or eight times while Austin Eckler's averaging seven yards per carry. So it's like, what are we doing? Uh, do we, I think, you know? I, I think it comes down to it's the first year of a new scheme and it takes some time to build it. Ultimately yeah. is what it comes down to. Defensively, it's a new scheme. Offensively, it's a new scheme. Players are still learning their position. I mean, we, we just moved Kenneth Murray from inside linebacker to edge and back to inside linebacker, and now he's flip-flopping because we don't know who he is. We just got fooled. We got fooled. Um, and what we saw was a glimpse of the future. We started that season like we this team is going to be uh, – we started the season as contenders. We just started this season as one of the best teams in football. Um, faded away after that one loss, and I think that's going to change – what you what we've seen is the installation of this new Charger culture. It, it's frustrating because we had a legit want chance. It now. I don't. I want it now, and I think. Yeah. And I think that's what it. We've waited for so long to be this close that now that we're this close, we want it now. I think we just need to wait a little I longer. Think we're another it's year happening. Away. And we always kind of knew that coming in. We just got tricked by the glimpse. And it was just, you know what it was? It was just a look into the future because um, we're going to be very good for a lot of years and we're very close. I, I just, yeah, I, I just don't. This is the first week I I'm, have no confidence, not no confidence, but I am the least confident coming into this week than I have been all season. And that's because we are just not there yet. I think we need to savor on what we got, which is a very talented team that is very, very close to being Super Bowl contenders. But hey, any given week, anything can happen. Thank you, you so much, play, Zach. Gotta play four quarters. So gotta play four not, quarters. Yeah. Bad teams lose to good teams. Good teams lose to bad teams. Good teams find their streak at the end of the season. Bad teams just never find a streak. Anything can happen any given Sunday. I'm not saying that the Chargers can't win a Super Bowl. I'm saying all I'm saying is that as of the product that they have been putting out on the field does um, not look great for for the short-term future, long-term future. That's a whole different story. Thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to leave us a review, and we will talk to you guys next week. Bolt up. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. 
If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART.